This episode is brought to you by Affordable Drill Towers. Founded in 2016 by our good friend Steve Sanguidoce, a retired Houston, Texas firefighter, the Affordable Drill Tower was designed and built with functionality and versatility in mind for any training ground. As a standalone training tower and add-on to an existing burn building or connect setup, the Affordable Drill Tower packs a massive punch at an affordable price tag. With over 50 towers across the country, from Massachusetts to California, Montana to Texas, professionally engineered, NFPA and ISO compliant, the Affordable Drill Towers brings the versatility to your training ground. From Main Street USA, the small town fire company in their back parking lot, to the training grounds of the largest metropolitan fire academy, the Affordable Drill Tower fits the bill for price and functionality. Check them out at AffordableDrillTowers.com. And two things I like to talk about also when talking about our friends over at Affordable Drill Towers. One, their customized training program. They have the ability to bring some of the best talent from across the country to your home turf after the install of the Affordable Drill Tower. Designing a customized training program for you and your department, Steve will facilitate some of the biggest and brightest names of the American Fire Service to come in and work with you and your department. And secondly, and I think most important, is Steve's belief in need over greed. The affordable drill tower company gives back to not-for-profits that support organizations in the American Fire Service. Organizations such as the Joey D Foundation, which is near and dear to Steve Sanguidoche's heart, as well as many other not-for-profits that he takes a part of. He takes great pride in providing funding for organizations that push this job forward. So check them out. Steve and Dennis over at Affordable Drill Towers. Send them an email at info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Check them out on social media. And their YouTube page is kicking butt with great information, training nuggets, and information about their towers. So check them out, Affordable Drill Towers, and let them know Jeremy over at National Fire Radio sent you. This episode's brought to you by Ridgeway Leatherworks. Ridgeway Leatherworks is a firefighter-owned and operated business as well as a family-run business, and that's what I love about it. Rob and his family are passionate about their customer service and the quality product and craftsmanship they put out for the emergency services. Rob's been on the show. We've been to his his business. We've seen them in action. I've even tried to hand-paint radio straps. I promise you, it is not as easy as what the final outcome looks like. The product is so good, it's so clean and crisp, and yet, man, it takes that steady hand. Rob's become a near and dear friend of our podcast, and you hear that over and over when we talk about our sponsors, that they're friends, supporters, and that's what this networking community is all about, is supporting one another. Ridgeway Leatherworks, Rob Meyer, crushing it. Quality and craftsmanship is number one. Customer service is right there with it. From custom radio straps, universal radio holsters, chin straps, flashlight holders, anti-sway straps, and locker tags made out of leather, there's plenty of opportunity along the way when you deal with Ridgeway Leatherworks. So check them out at RidgewayLeatherworks.com. Find them on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And tell Rob you heard about him on the National Fire Radio platform and give them a little pluck and tell them keep up the good work we need to support our firefighter owned businesses and especially family run businesses where his two daughters and his wife help out day in and day out along with his other employees so again ridgeway leatherworks check them out at ridgewayleatherworks.com and find them on all your social media channels
Hey guys, Jeremy National Fire Radio. Just hopping right back into it, man. Bobby Eckert, a dear friend, a guy that I consider a very good friend. Uh, we don't get to connect enough, but Bob, it's nice to see your face, man, and, and just catch up for a few minutes before we hit the record button. How are you? I'm doing well, man, and thanks for uh, having me. It has been a while, but uh, hey, it's summertime. We got kids. This That's is uh, this is how it is. <laughs> the grind. You know, I want to I want to circle back real quick. Five and a half, six years ago, when we started, um, you and I started, and I talk about this a lot when you and I get together. But we started down this social media path together. You started Eckerd Fire Tactics, uh, which has been a very successful training company for you, bringing in some of the best guys that I know from the job, uh, and and supporting you and your mission to better the fire service and i know for a fact i've seen it firsthand on several occasions that you guys have touched so many different people and bettered the careers of so many so kudos to you on that and your crew but from very early on you also were an endorser of us and signed on to us and that's how you and i became friends and uh, i just want to thank you for your continued support of national fire radio too bro because uh you know it's nice to have some somebody like yourself that you and i've gone through a lot of these similar struggles along the way and it's just nice to fall back on each other every once in a while. So it's good to catch up, man. Appreciate you. I appreciate the words, man. And the, and yeah. the feeling's mutual, definitely. Yeah. So it was cool. The first time you sat down with us, we were in a makeshift studio in my in-laws garage with some fake walls. And uh, you talked about your- elk's head above me. The big elk head above you. Absolutely. You brought me a picture too, man. Um, it's right there. It's still it's yeah, still it. up on the up on the wall. That uh, and and you signed the back of it with a quick message um, that always resonated with me. You know, um, and and it's just it's it's those things that just speak to the the class. Um, you are very protective of the fire service. You're very protective of the years before. Um, I know your father's career in the fire service was very instrumental into who you've become and the type of fireman you are. Um, you're very protective of all of that. Where does that come from? Was it just that early upbringing with your with your father and riding in the front seat of the station wagon going to calls? Yeah, you know, I think it was the lifestyle that I led as a child. My dad being a firefighter, uh, a career fireman in the town we were in, you know, going to see – they used to work – they had the worst schedule ever, uh, six day works, six <laughs> night works and three days off. Uh, so, so you spent a lot of time dad, to go see your dad. Yeah. Going to see my dad was, was a thing. If I wanted to see him, I had to go to the firehouse and yeah. my mom would have to take me there. So it was that, um, <laughs> my mom is a, uh, well, not you know, my parents are, um, 83 and 85. God yeah. bless them. They're very yeah. mobile and they get around and, and you've met my parents before. Sure, absolutely. Um, but, my mom, growing up, my mom was a picker. I love that. Uh, she's a, a massive a- antiquer from estate sales to yard selling to oh, trash that. picking. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, my mom, my mother trash picked a tobacco tin and sold it for $10,000. So there it is. I got hooked on the antique buff side of it. I bought a fire helmet when I was, God seven eight nine years old i don't remember the exact age and ever since then i was bit by the historical bug and the legacy bug and the tradition bug of the fire service and my dad would take me places you know buff events or you know a muster or go to somebody's fire somebody else's firehouse like i saw you i saw a post today that you guys were at somebody's firehouse this week just looking at the helmets and the history and that's always unbelievable that's that's always always gotten me uh i'll never i don't think i'll ever stop doing it but 
you know, that's that, that I, I've gotten more particular what I collect over the years, but you know, just seeing the stuff, the hearing the story behind it's always always being able to hear the story behind what whatever it is, whether it's a picture or a helmet or um a piece of equipment, whatever it is, that that's always captured me. Always. Yeah. And I, to this day, when we go train people and I, I'm able to go to their their hall or their lounge or their day room or wherever it may be, and they have some type of history there, I always want to learn about it. Uh, you know, where you're at in Bergen County, it seems like every firehouse has some type of historical sure does. something a room in it. So when I'm up there, I love just hearing about it and seeing it. And, you know, that's just, that's just who I am. It'll never change. No, it makes, I have my parents to blame for that. No, I shit, man. There's so much there that I want to unpack, but that's such, that's such cool stuff. Um, I could go on and on about a lot of that, but what I really like about that though, is how it translates to who you are today and also how you carry yourself in the fire service. Like I said, very protective, of where you've come from, very protective of the history and the tradition that goes into this job. And that translates to the training ground. When you started Eckerd Fire Tactics, I remember talking to you about it, and you said, listen, man, we're going to bring real-world scenarios to to firefighters, whether it's in a parking lot, an acquired structure, or at a training center. We're going to bring some of the best and some of the best important information we could bring to them. We're going to bring it because they deserve it. Um, it's always been your mission, right? It has. You know, it's... It's about the firefighters. I think the fire service is about the fi- the firefighters that are part of it. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that or track of that, especially as they ascend in ranks or position or status in the fire service. As you know, there's a lot of egos involved in, in, in this in this trade. So, you know, ego can be good. It can be bad. It can be in between. But I generally do care about the fire service sometimes a little too much. Yeah, and I get it. I I really care about number one the product that we put out, but number two the the person that comes and takes any one of our classes and they I want them to leave a more confident and better firefighter, and that's really our mission and what we care about. We we're, we're there for them. We are, and that that's why I have the equipment that we have. That's why I put together the team that I put together, and that's why we continue to do what we do. You know, we've had to make some changes over the years because of life. And like I said, I just talked to you about one that, that I'm making myself. Sure. And that that's just life. But our mission, our core mission, our core values are not going to change. Well, and what I what I like about it, I mean, I've been to so many of your taking it to the streets training grounds now at different fire academies, right? I've seen you guys operate on a company level just doing nightly drills um, and so on. But the one thing that I've just resonates with me is there is no checkbox bullshit when it comes to what you guys do on the training grounds. You guys are giving real world scenarios and giving each student or attendee or firefighter, whatever we call them, right? The opportunity to learn the trade. And they're doing that through guys that have been there, done it. They have the pedigree to back it up. And then they walk it through so that it is an impactful training event. So many training events are like herding cattle and just pushing people through stations and checking the box that they went through the eight stations that day. I've seen your guys skip lunch. I've seen your guys stay late. I've seen them start early. I've seen kids constantly engage the instructors. There's something to be said for that because that environment has that environment becomes a safe environment for them to want to learn more and to not feel intimidated, right? And ego gets checked at the door. That's huge. That's how these kids are learning today, for sure. I, I, I agree. I think the biggest thing when you come and train with us 
I want to make you comfortable. I, I want to make you feel that even if you have a ton of experience or even if you don't have any experience, you can there can be something to humble you and, and get you through uh, the array of situations that we're going to put you in. When we do take into the streets, which is a two-day class, day one, I just do remedial it's just a remedial uh, 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 go over a yeah. remedial training and and, and j- just to, just to hone your skills and then you know Sunday we, we we kick it up a notch and you know we're able to put you in a little more situations. I'm always I don't ever want to use the word surprise, but I'm always intrigued at the amount of the the array of experience levels that come to the events from firefighters that work in extremely busy shops that I'm like, wow, I can't believe you're here to a brand new firefighter who just wants to learn and better themselves. So we, we take it very serious. It's, it's a lot of work. It's a a labor of love, which, you know, uh, when we do a class, I'm down for a whole week physically after it. I believe it. It's, it's something that, I feel that is missing in the fire service and it's not just the, it's not just the, uh, the skill stations and what, what my guys put into it. It's the whole, uh, attitude of the event. It's the whole, you know, the climate of the culture. And it's so cool to just bring everybody together and just learn from them as much as they learn from us. Well, the climate. I, I like how I, mm-hmm. I, I, I love learning how people do things. I really do. It, it's, it always intrigues me. It's whenever I go somewhere, I'm always asking operational questions. How do you run? How do you do this? How do you do that? Because it intrigues me from, I know how I do things. And sometimes how I do things isn't applicable to how they do things. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's just cool to learn how people do things. Yeah. Well, and, and part of that is, uh, well, checking it at the door and, and having an open mind to how they do it, right? Like everybody does it maybe a little bit different, but the but the but the culmination of it is the same, right? So it's like maybe they're operational and you talk about this a lot, and I want to go into this term, operational reality. You talk about that all the time, right? Train to your operational reality. So sure. many so many don't. On your ground, you do. And you guys put people through these skill stations and and Teach them because you ask them. You're asking the questions. How do you operate? Okay, you run a three-man engine company? Then that's what we're going to run in this evolution. Like, you're very you, – you tailor the training to the individual, not to the training session itself. You're very individual-based. 100%. 100%. <clears throat> and a lot of people that I – if we do a drill night, a private drill night, a, a, a fire company contract just to go out there – when I have a conversation with with the training officer, or fire chief, it's usually one of my top questions is if I don't already know, right. which sometimes I do. Uh, if it's local, I, I I'm pretty hip to how they do things. But if it's someplace that I don't know, it's it's one of my top questions. Like you know, when you guys are going out the door for a house fire, what's it like? T- tell me about it. Or can you send me a copy of your working fire policy? Or you know, just so I I don't want to overstep my bounds, I. And fortunate enough where I work that we throw three engines, two ladders and a rescue at a, at a bedroom fire. Right. Not everybody has that. No. So it's, it's learning that, but I wasn't always like that. I came from the volunteer world where I know what it's like to, to roll out with two people on a, on an engine company for, for a house fire and pull up and and have to operate. So it's, it's just, it's, it's understanding people's operational reality 
and getting them to understand their reality and then getting them comfortable to gain confidence and skills in being able to do things um, once like a single firefighter. I always, when I, when I lecture, I, I don't want to say that I, that, that I, I kind of talk crap on, on the firefighter one program nationwide. And um, it's not, I'm never taking a shot at, at the men and women that teach it because I've been there and I understand what it's like to work in academy. And sometimes your hands are tied when you're teaching things because you, you, you have to, you have to, you know, do the JPRs. And I understand that. But at, at the end of the firefighter one program, when people are doing the live burns, they put them in companies of like four or five firefighters. When most of these young firefighters who are 18, 19, 20 years old come from very small towns that do not supplement a house fire with five firefighters on a rig. Right. So what you are doing to that firefighter is hamstringing him or her when they go out the door to fight a fire. When you teach a fire, when you teach a firefighter, you should teach them how to do multiple, multiple tasks with at the least amount of firefighters as possible. One firefighter, two firefighters and understand the limitations because everybody has them, but understand how you can maximize yourself and your efficiency work smart, not hard. I would love to teach. I would love to have a personal firefighter one program. I wish I could do it, but obviously I can't. It, it it's more about confidence yeah. and competence and learning the skill. And you would be amazed at how many firefighters come to us or we interact with firefighters who they understand the skills but they're not confident in performing them. Like they've seen a thousand forceful entry videos and forceful entry is probably the most video discipline of firefighting out there. You can from TikTok to YouTube to reels, you can find a ton of forceful entry stuff. A lot of it is great. A lot of it's garbage, but they see it. They visually see it. Maybe they mess around their door prop in the firehouse but if you throw a scenario at them where they can't see or it's a tight spot or they're by their self and maybe it's an outward swinging door, you're throwing them stuff that they have seen, but they've never done. Right. So it, it, it's more to us. It's, it's about, yeah, getting them reps in always, but it's about taking your confidence level to the next step by putting you in a situation that you've never been in before that is very realistic and you going through it and not giving up and, and working the problem. Yeah. I, it, I mean, firefighting, firefighting is just working one problem to the next problem. Sure. The next problem, the next problem. It's just problem solving. That's all it is. hundred percent. And Always. you got to think on your feet. I mean, nothing's the same. Always. And, and every day is different. And what I think is really interesting in this is confidence is certainly a big part of it is building up the confidence and that's done through repetition. That's done through doing it. But through confidence becomes initiative, right? We need a, we need fires. We need firefighters to take initiative on the fire ground. We need them to be able to see steps three, four, and five ahead of step one because they need to know Absolutely. how to get there, right? And that only comes 100%. with that only comes with proper training and then street experience. It's it's anticipating your next move, right? Right. So if you know the next move, if you know what to do, you know how to get there. And then we put an obstacle in your way and you got to overcome the obstacle, whether it's a fence, it's a gate, it's a, a car, a dog, whatever it is, you know, you got to be able to do that. 
but the biggest thing that we put into our skill stations with everybody that that works for me is the mistakes that these guys have made on the fire ground. I love it. And they're able to they're able to put it in the skill station yeah. and talk about the mistake they made. Like here, learn from my screw up. Learn from my screw up. I I, I tell I just told this story recently and I don't know how many years ago it was. It was probably maybe, you know, 10 years ago. I remember being in a forced entry position at a house fire and, you know, fire coming out of the windows and this door kicking my behind and the whole first alarm assignment standing there waiting on you. Yeah. Waiting on me. And then it was, it was so funny how everybody in the street automatically became a forced entry expert trying to talk me through the situation. And I'm just like, shut up. Let me, let let me work the problem. So right. That's so right. So, Everybody makes mistakes. But there, there's not a perfect firefighter out there. Anybody no. teaching, anybody teaching that tells you they're they're the best or they haven't made a mistake or whatever, they're they're so full of crap. It's not even funny. And I think the cool thing about the fire service is, and you know, it's said all the time. You're always learning. You're always constantly evolving. You know, there's no experts. You're only as good as your last work in fire. And you know, if you did something bad, you can't wait for the next one to. To, for the reprieve you got to get it back that, that's just a fact you got to get yeah. it back yeah for sure talk to me a little bit about <clears throat> resistance so you know we we <laughs> i'm gonna go down this road the other day uh you put up a post on instagram and i want to i piggybacked on it because it was important uh for me because i saw an opportunity there to get a message across you're you're lining up a training uh a, a training class uh at the new jersey uh conference in Wildwood in the next few weeks, right? It's a parking lot class, but you you transform. And I, I will tell you, if anybody's on the fence, even a parking lot can be transformed into a working ground for <clears> firefighting. <throat> and it's not just stretching lines across pavement. It's not, it's so far. I have that. no engine. Right. I have no engine involved right. in it. It's, um, it's definitely yeah. skill work the whole way. Um, you sometimes get some resistance on your training. Um, guys are willing to pay out of pocket to go, but then you get resistance from fire companies, fire chiefs, fire districts, committees, whoever the hell has the say that sometimes says, well, we don't want you to take your gear. We don't want to give you SCBA uh, and so on. Even though these kids are paying out of pocket, they're not even being compensated to go. The bill's not being paid by these districts. These kids want to learn. And I say kids, but it's, it's primarily 25 and under, I would say, but I know you get a ton of guys. I've seen guys in their 40s, 50s, um, you know, and so on, be a part of, of your training, uh, you know, efforts too. But you put us, uh, you put a uh, quote out the other day and I piggybacked on it because I saw an opportunity and said, we operate in a world where fire chiefs don't allow members to take SCBA for fire training. I thought it was really profound, man, because what you're doing is summing up a, a, something that probably is mind boggling to you. It's mind boggling to me. Um, and then I piggybacked on it and said, I wonder why volunteerism is down. Morale sucks and no one is showing up anymore. Let's go down this road a little bit, man. In 2023, where there is unbelievable training available to anyone, whether it's through social media channels, right? Now more than ever, we, we have outlets to give people the ability to learn, whether it's watching a video or actual hands-on. Now more than ever, now we have these micro conferences. We have training companies like yourself that are constantly out there pushing the envelope and giving the training that people want and need. And then we're getting resistance from the top crazy in my world yeah it's it's interesting to me for a lot of reasons number one 
I remember being a young firefighter and wanting to attend training and meeting resistance then from fire chief and realizing that it is something that I had to pay for out of pocket and, and do on my own. And that's fine. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why when I do training, I get a lot of personal checks and memos of people's own hardworking money. Yeah. And I, that means, that means a lot to me. Yeah. That means a lot to me. So if you're giving me the money that you literally left your family to go to work for, then I'm going to give you the best experience I possibly, possibly can, uh, as much as I can. But I spoke to a fire chief the other day and I won't, I'm not going to name names cause it's, it's not right. But I, actually spoke to two fire chiefs and they just could not wrap their head around what we were doing. They didn't understand it. It wasn't, you know, they're used to their fire Academy, which is nothing is wrong with that. And, you know, that's how you and I were brought up in the fire service. You waited till I waited till Camden County fire Academy dropped their class list in the fall. And I'm sure you waited till Bergen County, did the same thing. And you signed up for as many classes as you possibly could. Absolutely. Um, the game has changed. It absolutely has. And, you know, the internet and social media have, have a lot to do with that. That being said, I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that they were willing to pay for it. It wasn't money. Right. It was the fact the one the the one fire chief was nervous about um, the equipment being stolen. So I said, well, you can lock it in my trailer that has multiple locks on. I don't have a problem doing that. I said, I can even probably get it locked up in a firehouse for you. If that would be, you know, I said, you could put it in my hotel room or right. whatever. The other fire chief just couldn't uh, get down with us personally. He, 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 he didn't like uh, maybe me or uh, the, the, the presence that we have on social media. And I understand that I'm not everybody's flavor and that doesn't hurt my feelings. But what did bother me was, him denying somebody training that wanted it. And he just, the way he was going about it was, well, I'm not letting them take an air pack so they can't go. That solves the problem. And I said, well, I have enough air to, to equip a small army. So if I give your member an air pack, will, will that, will that solve the problem? Right. And it didn't, it didn't solve the problem for him. This episode is brought to you by the affordable standpipe prop. Let's break it down real quick. Steve and the crew at Affordable Drill Towers is doing it again. They've created this fully custom and fabricated standpipe prop to support the fire service. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing piece of training equipment. And I want to hop into it real quick. It is designed with a 4-inch manifold of high-strength galvanized Schedule 10 pipe. The cart and manifold are powder-coated red for a durable finish, meaning it's not just a talking piece. It's not something you tuck away on the shelf. This is a training prop that can be wheeled into the classroom and then brought out onto the training ground. And so let's talk about that. In the classroom, there's nothing better than having a hands-on prop in front of the students, in front of the fire companies that are there to learn about standpipe and FDC connections. Having that prop in the classroom allows for a great instructional lecture. And then from there, take the standpipe theory and translate it to the training grounds. You could wheel the cart out that's on casters. You wheel it out into the parking lot. And that same training prop that you just used hands-on in the classroom can now be used hands-on on the training ground by pumping into it and flowing out of it. It offers such versatility in its approach. It has a two and a half inch Siamese connection, seven two and a half inch outlets, six of which are standpipe valves 
has a water motor gong, sprinkler head with a control valve, and a system pressure gauge. You can also upgrade and put three of the most common field adjustable PRVs. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing training prop that needs to be in every fire company or training department across the country. Reach out to Steve and the crew. Info at AffordableDrillTowers.com. Ask for a demo. Ask for information. Or check them out on social media and YouTube. There's plenty of content out there that shows you exactly what the affordable standpipe prop can do for you. This episode's brought to you by Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew at Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 tins in the market, they are a leader in the helmet front space. Custom design, one-offs to department orders, they can turn them around within 24 to 48 hours. Customer service is what they pride themselves on and they provide nothing but top shelf product and service to their customers. Check them out at taylorstins.com and check out their full line of product offering. They've always been a very strong supporter since day one with the National Fire Radio podcast and platform. And Taylor and his crew have become dear friends of ours, and we appreciate the support. And at checkout, for a little extra bonus, use coupon code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for a discount on your order. Exclusions do apply. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com. For the latest and greatest offerings from Taylor and his crew, and in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. It didn't. It didn't. So, you know, to be met with resistance is something I'm very, very used to. It sometimes the excuses baffle my mind, but at the end of the day, you're not hurting me. You're hurting your member. You're hurting your fire department, you're hurting the morale, you're hurting the operational mindset, you're hurting the tempo of your fire department by, by being resistant to any type of outside training. I'm not saying we're the end all be all, but we, we do put it all out there and try to give you the best possible program we can. But if some, if one of your firefighters wants to attend something and is willing to pay for it, and you can't supplement them with equipment or whatever. Is that your ego involved? Is mm. that your, you know, what, 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 what is it? I don't know. And I, I you know, I, I felt bad for the firefighter in question and I was willing to speak. I'm, I'll talk to any fire chief anywhere. And, you know, it was very respectful and I, the conversation went where it went. And I just, it was very disappointing to see that, that that's, that's where we're at here in, in, in 2023. It's, it's about an SCBA. It's about egos. It's about whatever. And uh, that's sad. That's, that's really sad. Yeah. Especially I, with all the, all the quality stuff out there that is available to, um, I always, it's funny to me because somebody who has, I, I have, Every technical rescue discipline, except for swift water, I don't have swift water. Uh, I'm hoping to get the class in the spring, but I didn't take any of my my technical rescue disciplines at a fire academy. It was a right. private training company. Right. Who, uh, who, these companies have 100%. been around for 20, 30 years teaching technical rescue. It, which, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, and maybe people will disagree with me, but hanging somebody off the side of a building with a rope is putting them in a lot more dangerous situation legit. than a blind yeah. th- than a blind forcible entry uh house built out of pallets. Right. 
and 100%. having having uh, wet hay burnt in a barrel and put in there when they're on SCBA. So I don't. I guess I can't wrap my head around the mindset. If I, I try to be, when it comes to the fire service, I try to think very logically. <laughs> uh, and how dare you? I know. Logically, I can't wrap my head around. It. I can't. I can't. I can't wrap my head around it. So. No. I feel bad. I and I invite every fire chief in the United States of America that if you are near where we are at and you want to come out and, and, and observe us, please come out and, and check us out and, and see what we're doing. And you know, the the proof is in the pudding. Always. Yeah. No, I agree. Always. I mean, I piggybacked on it because I think it's a it's a big conversation. I think it happens a lot. Um, and I, I, I ballooned it up into a bigger conversation about, you know, stunting the growth of our own people. You know, our people trust the leaders in their fire department to do the, you know, as leaders in the fire department, chiefs, administration, we want the most from our people and we expect the most from our people all the time. 100% at 100%, right? And that's what the expectation is. But then when our people need something from the administration or chiefs, they're not there for them 100%. And it's as simple as giving an SCBA or letting them take their turnout gear to, you know, an outside training event. What is the big harm there? The harm, the harm comes from stunting the growth of somebody that's excitable, somebody that's into it, somebody that wants to better themselves. Because all they're going to do is put themselves in a better position at that training to come back to your own fire company or your fire department. And they're going to perform at a higher level than when they left. And that only better is the delivery of service in which we're providing. And so... A lot of it, I have to think, is ego. I think a lot of it is administration chiefs, command staffs that are afraid of those to, to, to do better, to be better than what they are. And, um, and I think your challenge should be accepted. I think that, you know, chiefs need to get out. They need to see what's out there. If you're a chief and you have a lot of years in the fire service and you have not attended training in, uh, in, in several years or you have not gotten out to an outside conference or a micro conference or even a lecture series somewhere, you better get your ass out of your seat and go. Because I'm telling you right now, if you're not, you're, you're, you're out of touch. Well, I think there's a, there's a lot to be said about um... – the fire service and chief officers. There are fantastic chief officers out there. There, there really Hands are. I, I work with a lot of. I work with a lot of amazing chief officers. I agree. I, I really do. And I, and I have worked with many. And I have worked with many in my business uh, from just guys that run combination fire departments to and that, that to me that's the toughest fire department in the world to 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 be a leader in is a combination fire department, but. Uh, guys that run combination fire departments, guys that run volunteer fire departments, and um, the guys and gals out there that that are willing to better the organizations are the ones who are maybe thinking outside of the traditional way of doing things to not only get their members' skills, but they also see it as a way to um, – they also see it as a way to boost morale within the organization. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I mean, how do you? Yeah. You good? Yeah, I'm walking. Yeah, no guys. You know how do you how do you get, how do you gain growth? Right? How do you get depth? Depth is important in a fire company, and if we only if we only expect our people to learn our methods and our ways, and we don't give them the opportunity to get out and try something different or meet different people and hear about different ways things are done, 
we're stunting that growth and there's no depth. And all they know, they become robots of the system that they're in. And we need people to get out and we need people to become more more versed in, in, this, in this trade. I firmly believe that. Well, I think it's important. It's also it, the networking in the fire service is vital to not only personal relationships, but maybe understanding there's so much more out there than the four walls of your firehouse. Yeah, 100%. And what what you can learn and bring back to the four walls of your, your firehouse is also just as important as a skill that you might learn out there as well. So if you take, you know, maybe a small pop-up conference and three guys go and they meet three guys from uh, across the country. And one thing I've, one thing I, I have learned by going to these conferences and being, and being able to have the opportunity to teach at them and, and speak at them is it's always the same problems in every fire department. It's yeah. never, I, I never learn a new problem. It's, it's always, it's always the same and it always makes you laugh, but you get recharged by being around like-minded people. And sometimes within organizations, you're not always around like-minded people. And maybe the fire chief or the leader of the organization might be the biggest pessimist or not like-minded person at all That's right. who can bring down, bring down the morale of many organizations. And I get it. In 2023, being a chief, the chief officer in this day and age with social media and phones and you know, videos and what goes on out there uh, is it's got to be a tough job. It's got to be a tough job. I I don't have, I don't have, I don't have that job and I never want that job, but (laughs) you know, it's, it's different, but so is how people absorb information or learn or get taught is different as well. So if you're not adapting to the times or adapting to the trend or adapting to how things are, then you're only going to hold your organization back. I agree. And there's so many great programs out there. There's so many great instructors out there. There's so much great information out there that is at your fingertips, it's at your fingertips. And I'm always extremely humbled to, to meet people and to hear that the information that we put out is being used, you know, more being used without us even being there. Yeah. And that, that always makes me, that always makes me feel great. Very great. It makes my guys feel great. And you know, it, it, it solidifies a lot of work that we do, but it's really a shame to see morale be just gutted and, to hear some of the stories, I get direct messages all the time about morale, morale, and that's crazy. It's never like tactical. It's it's it's, it's about morale. So I was going to ask how you that I... because most of the DMs I get are culture and morale issues, and how do I deal with this? How do I deal with that? You run a training company. You're putting out tactical information, operational information, and yet most of your messages you're getting are what asking about how do I deal with this morale or how yeah. do I deal with officers or guys that don't want to train yeah. or, um, you know, not being supported at the top, not being supported at the middle. Um, you would be surprised the amount of firefighters that are career firefighters that come to me at a crossroad in their career where they're ready to leave their fire department and go to another one. And that's a very heavy topic to talk about with somebody. And without having intimate knowledge of the situation, I can never weigh in 
good, bad, or indifferent. I can just give my opinion on, yeah. on my trial, my trials and tribulations. It's not, Hey man, I can't tell you to, to leave your fire department and go to XYZ fire department, ABC fire department. But you know, the, the, the fire service is so fragile in the sense that we have to support each other at every rank. Yep. And if we're not supporting each other, then fragile is going to break. It's going to break. And there's many organizations out there that, and do you see it? We're in New Jersey. How many, how many fire departments in the last five or six years have had to sit down and have the consolidation talk holding on by a thread, holding on by a thread, Mm -hmm. by a thread. And in the state we live in, the division of fire safety has kicked it up a notch and my hat's off to them. You know, you need to have this, 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 this certification to even sit in that, that, that line officer spot or even sit in that fire chief spot. Um, I just had to get that, um, that hazmat, uh, hazmat incident command technical right. whatever Le- the heck it was level right? 29 yeah but good. i know i agree with good. you it, i was, agree that was great yeah it, it's about time you mm-hmm. know it it's it, it's really tough to to be a fire officer nowadays to capture um you know the, the, your crew i'll say audience which is your crew to to capture them and keep them engaged and keep them keep them wanting to to learn more or, or to, to keep their edge. And anybody who has a firefighter who wants to better themselves and you're an officer and holding them back, you have no right being in the fire service. You really don't. You're, you're, your time has passed and, you know, you need to be put out the pasture. You I really love it. do. I, 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 mean, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's a shame. I couldn't it's a shame. And it, it, when, when we do our hands-on weekends, our open enrollments, when I see chief officers there – Man, I it, it gets me going. I, I got something inside of me that gets giddy and excited because, like, wow, I, I got a chief officer who is here taking the class with it, with his men and women. That's great. That's unbelievable. What what, what I mean, l- look at the standard that 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 is set in that in that's that right. in that moment. But look what that does for morale. Look what that does for morale. But I I say this when I teach. Um, you can't look to your fire chief for morale. The fire chief is worried about like uh, hose, buying hose, gear, equipment, paper clips, all that stuff, right? It's up to the company officers. It's up to middle management, really, for 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 a morale situation. And when I spoke to that one fire chief, when I hung up the phone, I I, I almost called him back, but I didn't. And I wanted to know what his line officers thought of the situation. Like, what what does your lieutenant or right. captain right. think of this right. situation that, that 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 you're putting a firefighter in? You know, like if you're if you're a lieutenant or a captain um, or maybe a sergeant or whatever you guys I know if I, I go in like uh, Virginia, Maryland, you guys are sergeants and all that stuff. So um, at that level is where the culture and the training and the morale should be supported the most. It should be supported the most. If you're a company officer, you should you should put firefighting at a top priority at a top priority. And when you don't make firefighting a priority, when you have a house fire, you can't be mad when things don't go your way. A hundred percent. You can't be. You, you, you can't be mad at it. Hundred percent. For 
however many, however long, whether it's been years or months or days or weeks, you have chose not to put firefighting at the forefront, whether it's training or uh, whatever it is, and the incident doesn't go well. Oh, you, you got what you put into it. Well, that's it, right? I mean, your your focus has been elsewhere, and now that the the one job that you have, the one real job that we have, everything else is secondary to fighting fire, saving lives, and property, right? Property preservation. That's the job. Everything else is secondary to that, right? And we have to do and give our people every single tool to do that. You mentioned something that kind of resonated with me a little bit. If the fire chief is making some of these decisions... And then you're curious how his company officers feel about it. I can tell you these company officers don't have a say in any of that. You know, well, that's a shame. You, you that, find that. a lot of fire companies where the chief is making every single decision. Middle management doesn't exist. You might wear that captain shield, lieutenant shield. And those are the guys that should be making those decisions. Hey, brother. Hey, Cap, I need to take my gear this weekend to go to training. Are you okay with that? Yeah, man. Take it. Go. Right. It, the fire chief, and I understand it's some small departments, like a, a rural volunteer department. The chief makes, you know, 99% of the decisions on everything. I get that. But let your people work. Give your people opportunity. Sure. Don't stunt their growth. I think if you, I think if you're putting somebody in a, in a, in a whether it's career or volunteer, it doesn't matter. If you're putting somebody in that spot as a company officer, they need to be given some type of oversight or responsibility. 100%. Whether... Whether it's well, if you're the fire chief and you want to worry about uh, more, if you want more workload, if I'm the fire chief, I want less workload so I can focus on the getting as much thing? for my for my fire department as possible, right? Right. So I, I need to I need to delegate. I need to delegate. You know, SCBA repair. I need to delegate uh, buying equipment, turnout gear, uh, toilet paper, 100%. whatever. Okay. I need, I need to delegate that. And you would be surprised how willing people are to step up when they're given an opportunity. And most of the time, in my experience and what I've seen, when people are given the opportunity to step up, they usually don't fail. They usually don't. They're usually in the mindset where they're so grateful to have the opportunity that they bat it out of the park. If they're given that they opportunity, really if they're allowed to sure. actually do it, though, you know, not be told, hey, you can go do this. This is now your responsibility. And at every turn, the guy's like micromanaging the shit out of it. Nobody wants anything to do with that. Right. Like what what I find is, you know, good leaders are strong enough and, and believe in their own convictions and who they are and they don't feel challenged. And so they delegate and they delegate. Well, hey, Bob, I want you to handle this. This is yours. You run with it. You just give me a heads up every time I need to know something about it. Other than that, I want you to handle it. Right. That's a good, strong, affirmative leader who believes in himself and his abilities. But anybody that's weak, anybody that's ego driven, anybody that's not confident in their own skills and abilities cannot delegate because they're going to micromanage the shit out of it. And that's what's happening now from the chief's buggy to the right front seat of the apparatus. It's happening every single fucking day. And it stunts the growth of our people. It, it just you, you don't want to hold people back. And that's right. if you're the if, if you're a fire officer, first off. You, I don't ever want to say you want to be the dumbest guy in the room, but you want to surround yourself with people that know more than you, <laughs> that are going to make absolutely that, that, that are going to make that, that are going to make you uh, look great when 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 there's an, when there's an incident, and 
you know, if you're a chief officer, that, that that's what you should strive for as a company officer. That's what you should strive for. I just got sent back to, to a, a special operations company. I haven't been in a special operations in seven years. I have the only rope I've touched is with my shoelaces. So, <laughs> awesome. you know, and I got this kid in my company. He, he loves it. He loves it. He, he's he's like, he's yeah. like, John, he's like Johnny rope. Guess what? I'm leaning on you. I'm leaning on you as I relearn this and reacclimate myself in, in this. I'm going to lean on you, bro. And, you know, show me what you know. I, I want to know what you know. And, you know, as a company officer, and I guess this is where this conversation is going, is you're not a worker. You're a supervisor. So you're supervising people working. And, yeah, you're going to work. You're going to do some things. I'm not saying you, you, you've totally given up and you're just staying there. But you're supervising work at a fire scene. And I get it. There's only two people you're, you're going to have to work. But you're still supervising in some capacity. Yeah. And you're still encouraging in some capacity. You're still pointing people in, in, in a direction in some capacity. But it, it, it's funny. I have a few um, fire companies that I, I, I go there monthly and train, like where their monthly drill night. And I, I did one last year, and it was a it was a bigger um, fire department combination, and I didn't meet the fire chief until like the third month I was there. I didn't, right. he didn't even come out, right? Like it, 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 like he just he let his he let his team handle handle everything, and I was like, that's pretty cool, and I you know I, I it, it was it was just neat to see that the fire chief gave his men and women that much responsibility, and let them run with it. Yeah. Yeah. That speaks volumes and that speaks volumes to the culture that's there. Yesterday I spent the day, uh, up in Port Chester, New York. I've been talking about it a bunch. I'm wearing a shirt today. They gave me the shirt. I mean, it's just, it, it was a shop that likes to talk about firefighting and, um, you can tell, um, you know, when the members, when you just talk to the guys on the side, they talk about, uh, uh, their chiefs allow them to be themselves. They allow them to to do their job and they're trusted to do their job. And then talking with the chiefs, the chiefs say, it's not about us. It's about them. And we're there to give them every resource they need to do their job correctly on the streets of Port Chester. That's our job. And they're not there to micromanage. And when you look around that shop, there's fucking pride dripping off the walls in that place. There's history up there. That's sure. the one with the Harry Howard helmet, the Harry Howard, uh, you know, yeah. uh, helmet that I was holding, right? That place is yeah. covered in history and they're super proud of it. And it's a it's a firehouse and a fire company that allows for unbelievable individual growth, which only makes the mission and the company bigger and stronger. And they recognize that. And because of that, their membership, 100% volunteer company, their membership is busting at the seams. It's unbelievable. It's good for them. I mean, it's just, that's what we need. That's the type of mentality we need to have out there. Yeah, it's it is, and you'll see some people blame it on money. Like we don't have the money, we don't have this. You don't need a dime. No, you to, don't to foster to to foster a firefighting environment. You don't need a nickel, a penny, nothing. It's just it's an attitude. It is. It's an attitude change. It, it it really is. And at the end of the day, this isn't about us. This isn't about. It's about the public in which we serve. It's, it's about the person that dials nine one one. And the person, the, the John Q. Public and Jane Q. Public do not know diddly squat about the fire service. So when they pick up 911, when they pick up the phone down 911, they are expecting to get the very best out of whatever shows up. And as every single person who's going to watch this knows, and I always say this when I lecture, 
raise your hand if you know somebody who shouldn't be involved in the fire service is involved in the fire service. Okay. They usually respond to incidents. <laughs> and at, there, there, there are many times in many places in the United States of America that do not get the best product when they dial 911. And people have no idea. Hands down. They have no idea. And I, to, to, to piggyback off that, I see it on the career side of it, I'll, I will walk in, I'll interact with people and say, they'll say, well, EMS ruined the fire department. I'll bite on that. I, I really will. There's nothing, there is nothing more demoralizing than show, showing up as a firefighter to work and being put on an ambulance and, you know, taking somebody to the hospital for a stub toe and you're missing a working fire. It is absolutely deplorable. It sucks. And there's nothing, there's nothing worse than I've experienced it multiple times. That being said, that being said, if you view it as the, an evil that you got to deal with and you still make those firefighters that are assigned to the ambulance feel like firefighters. Yes. And when they're assigned to the ambulance and and just like, hey, man, you're on the ambulance, say that's what it is. But you're still a firefighter. And yep. um, here there's we're putting air packs in the ambulance. And when you arrive, you're a report to the command staff and you're assigned this or whatever. I mean, there, there's many people that have figured it out, but there's nothing more demoralizing in the fire service than piss poor morale. I agree. That's it. I agree. Well, then I want to change this topic a little bit because we've been beating it pretty good. Um, and a lot of it is, is negative. And I want to, that, that quote that you put out and the one I piggyback on the one I read before, right. About, uh, you know, taking SCBA to training and this is the environment that exists and all this shit. Right. I got a lot of messages from people about this. Um, and the one here, cause I want to segue into what's good about the job. As a chief, my volunteers will get in trouble if they don't bring all their PP. I encourage every member of my department to train as much as they can and train on how we play on the fire ground. Thanks for this message and knowing that I'm not the only one screaming this. So there are guys out there fighting the good fight oh, yeah. and supporting training sure. 100%. I want to ask you, you know, we've been beating this pretty good. What's good, man? What's good? What excites you? What gets you going? You go out, you see these departments, you do your training classes, you're out in the streets in the city that you work in. What's good for the fire service? What what gets your juices revved up, man? It's the people. Yeah. It's 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 the character of the men and women that show up every call, that show up every day and are just willing to give that effort and, and, and keep the culture going and keeping the fire service running and keeping the tradition alive, the product that, that, that they've always put out they're they're, they're, they're doing it. The, the, the fire service is about us. It's about the firefighters. Again, we serve the public, but we can't serve the public unless we have the people to do it. So what gets me going? Yeah. I love a 75 foot single axle, aerial scope like everybody else but it's useless if nobody's there to drive it that's right or operate it that's right so it, it's it, it's a it's the people i genuinely love more than anything interacting with the men and women of the fire service on a daily basis and i i get the opportunity to do so excuse me through 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 social media through our training events through whatever and the just the attitude the uh prowess the character you know it's you could take a guy from california from indiana and from delaware 
And if they have the same exact attitude, they're the same exact firefighter. It, it's it's amazing it's to awesome. see. You know, their yeah. tactics might might be a little different, but it, it, it's it, it's the character of the people is is what I love. Bob, and it takes work. I'll never not it? love it. it. Takes work. Yeah, you got yeah, you got it. You got to be honest with yourself and realize that uh, number one, it's not about you. It's about the mission, the men and women, the culture everything it, it, it's it, you got to to be involved in the fire service and to excel in the fire service and to give back to the fire service you got to sacrifice for the fire service and that can take a toll personally that can take a toll mentally but you know you got to put each other first you got to put the, 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 it, it, it literally is a family and you know people that aren't putting their family first you should you know reevaluate yourself and, and put your family first and you know I'm, I'm guilty of that as much as anybody but you know we, we have to to covet this thing to to hold it tight we got to take care of each other and there's a lot of not of taking care of each other going on out there and uh your your buddy Jason Urban says it all the time and I resonate this quote every time I teach there's nobody nobody that hates firemen more than other firemen it's crazy and cops love each other they love each other I mean, they're getting awards for pulling somebody over for doing 26 and a 25. That's right. It's that's right. It's, we, we have to be there for each other in, in every way possible. Not only surround yourself with people that want to succeed, but surround yourself with people that want to give you opportunities to succeed. And if you've been in the fire service as long as we have, and, you know, I, I'm – I. I Sadly, uh, I'm getting to be one of the older people in my fire department, which is funny to me. <laughs> um, you know, I, I want to set people up for success. I want to see people succeed. I want to see people do better than I did. I want to see people learn from my mistakes. I want to see people, you know, have the best experience out of, out of the fire service because you know what it's like being around somebody who's in the fire service who is absolutely the, the glass half empty, negative I hate it. I can't wait to retire or, you know, even in the volunteer side, you know, I hate this. I hate that. I hate this. And why do you show up? Why are you here? You know, it, it, yep. it, just, just, just to bring, just to bring people down. Yeah. So it's, it's about positivity. It, it really is. And you could go to a thousand conferences from FDIC down to the smallest one, come see us, whatever. But if, if you're not, if you're not trying to find positivity every day in what we do, and, um, you know, lift people up around you, then maybe this isn't the thing for you. It, it, it really isn't. And getting the opportunity that I have, and, and it really is a gift for somebody who loves the fire service as much as I do uh, to interact with the people that I get to interact with. It, it's amazing to just meet people and hear their stories and be able to, um, you know, maybe lift them up or give them words of encouragement or whatever it is. And I love that. And that's why I started Ecker Fire Tactics. And that's why I'm going to run it until I can't walk anymore. So I love, I love it. No, and I do. And I think that's a great way to kind of just start to conclude on this conversation a little bit is like it, it comes around full circle from your early days of collecting and pre protecting that tradition and culture. And what you find is it's the people. I mean, it's when your dad's generation, the generations before, the generations after, and the generations after us. It's all about the people. We could all run that 75-foot single-axle Mac Baker aerial scope, and guess what? Without people in it, it's not doing anything for us.
your your people are your greatest resource at yeah. any level, any rank or whatever. And Amen. it's, it's, uh, I always, there's, uh, there's more, I'm surrounded by, uh, smaller volunteer firehouses. And when I do a hoagie sale, I'm always buying a hoagie. Go. I, yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm always buying a firehouse hoagie. Um, you know, whether my kids eat it or, or they don't, right. I'll eat it, whatever it is, but it's, it's like support, but, for a lot of people, that's how they make money to do whatever. So even in the smallest way, even in the smallest way, you could you could just support somebody else around you. Yeah. As as dumb as that sounds. No, as, it as makes perfect sense. School as as that sounds. Um what, whatever it is. You know, like Easter flowers. I I don't think I haven't not bought an Easter flower in my entire life, not from a firehouse. Right. You know, from, right, from right, their, right. their Easter sale. Yeah. It, it's just yeah. It, it's just it, it's it's just how it is. And you know, from Santa Claus, like Santa Claus doesn't arrive on a sleigh. He comes in a fire truck. That's right. Like that's right. That's how I was. You know, that's, that's how I was raised. It's absolutely that's how I was raised. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it all matters, it, right? Just, it, it all matters. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. And I think, too, I wrote something down because I'm going to explore this um, on another time with one of my rants that I like to do every once in a while. But are we giving as much as we're taking? Right? And I think that, that that's a way to, to kind of sum this up a little bit is, like, if you're going to look at what, what your position is and where you are in the fire service, not a, not in your position as a firefighter or, or a line officer or a chief. I'm just talking about being a fireman. We're all firemen. Right. Regardless of title or sure. rank, we all are firemen. We came up through the system as firemen and wherever you end up and retire or as a volunteer, you leave your volunteer department. You've been a fireman since the day you joined. Nothing more. So did you give more than you've taken or do you just take? And I think that that's a big, big part. And that has to do with our people. It has to do with how we treat people and 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 make make acquaintances and friends along the way. And it's what are you leaving here? What are you giving back to the fire service or are you just taking? And we have a lot of takers and we need more guys to start giving. So, Bob, well, I know you. you yeah, go ahead, please. Now, I just want to say one thing on yeah. that and we can we can call it a day. Yeah. But in in the absence of positivity, in the absence of positivity, people will easily follow negativity. 100%. And remember, the, the right thing is always the hardest thing to do in life and in the fire service. It's always the hardest thing to do. It's it's when you're going to that activated fire alarm at one, two, three main street that you go to every Wednesday at 12 o'clock. It's so easy not to wear all your turnout gear and put your SCBA on properly and have your hood and your gloves and your tool. It's so easy because you've been there every time, but the right thing to do is, is to dress out and make sure you're squared away and ready to go for the run. Yes. And, you know, how many times do you see on social media? I just saw it the other day. Um, I believe it was Austin, Texas. It was in, definitely in Texas, which I met a bunch of guys from Texas. They're great dudes. Um, old guy was like, he was his lawn was on a hill, and they were coming back from food shopping. Oh, and they helped. This old guy they helped, struggled. Yeah, and they had to help him cut his lawn? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what we do. Yes. That's what we do. Yes. A thousand percent. Yes. A thousand percent all the time. That is what we do. And that's what separates us from any other profession, career volunteer, any other public safety entity ever. That is what we do. And that's what we will always do. And do you think them guys had to do that? They didn't, but they did. 
was it easy? Probably not. It probably sucked running that 1986 lawnmower up a hill with no bag on it, right? <laughs> you know, you, you know that you know the blade wasn't sharp on that. No, blade, not at all. Like, you kidding me? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But you're 100 percent right, man. And that's part of that giving, right? It's like you mentioned the word sacrifice before in your conversation, right? You sacrifice. We're family. Family first, right? It's all part of the equation. And um, I think when we lose sight of that, that's when things get. That's when things go down the road we don't want to go down, and those are the negativity. And and you're right. Doing the right thing is always doing the right thing, hands down. It's always the hardest thing to do. So, Bobby yeah, Ecker, thank you, brother. It's always great catching up it, with man. you, man. It's always fun. Yeah, uh, people want to reach out if they live under a rock and don't know who you are or where you are. Uh, where can they find you, and how can they reach out? You can uh, go to EckerFireTactics.com. It'll give a list of all our classes. It has our open enrollment events on it. Uh, Ecker Fire Tactics LLC on Facebook. And I'm Eckert underscore 335 on Instagram. That's where I do my most damage on Instagram because it is the easiest app for me to run. 100%. Um, especially, as I get, especially as I get older and can't see as well. Mm. Um, it, it, it's, the best, uh, it's the best app for you. Um, Look for me. I'm out there. We're always doing something. We never really stay idle long. And I appreciate the support from everybody and uh, hope to see everybody soon. Yeah, man. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. It was nice to catch up with you. Stay right here. I'm just going to sign off. I'm going to come right back to you. Okay. Yep. Guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Do me a favor. Take this conversation, take it back to the firehouse and talk about it. Because when we're talking about the job, we're making the job better. For myself and Bobby Eckert. Have a good day, and thanks for tuning in. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.